0: We're on a journey of discipleship. And then what happens is that David and Geraldine decide that they're going to get married you know, 60 years ago. And then they want to celebrate it with us, which is absolutely phenomenal. And we love it. And then I think I'm in a discipleship series. We now have got an Ephesians. Was this your text at your your wedding? Woo. Right. I'm going to see if I can totally wreck this for you. (laughs) It's whoa what a phenomenal text but we I want to just to pick it up in in the realms of uh, discipleship Paul in Ephesians 3 that's where we're going to be looking in a few moments Paul in Ephesians 3 was guiding God's people to a deeper understanding of their fresh new relationship with their heavenly father and it's part of a discipleship journey which focuses, I think, a bit on prayer. So I'm sort of linking things in a little bit with prayer. You may remember, if you, you might not remember actually, but um, we as a church have a, uh, a mission statement that uh, Basingstoke Baptist Church... Knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. That's what we're about. We're about us growing in our relationship with Jesus and in the overflow of all that God is doing with us and through us, we want to make Jesus known to the world around us. So we know Jesus and we're going to make Jesus known. But there's also some core values. I don't know if you realize that we've got core values as a church. And our core values that we like to uh, focus on are found in Acts chapter 2. Let me read these words to you. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And in those uh, five verses from the book of Acts, we pull out these core values. As a church... Our desire is to reflect these things. That we will be a church that gets into the word of God. We make sure that teaching is important. Whether that be in your small group, in our life groups that happen during the week. Or whether you come together here on a Sunday. Teaching, getting into the word, making the word come alive. If you've got issues and difficulties, then here is a place where we would hope that revelation is given. So teaching is one thing. They listened to the apostles' teaching. There was worship. They gathered together. Just as we gather together today, we're worshipping together. We're honouring God together. And it talks about in Acts about them breaking bread. They wanted to spend time in each other's presence and to honour Jesus. Because when we break bread, we recognise that it was his body broken and his blood shed that has given us access to our Heavenly Father. There's worship, we are bringing worship to God. The third point we have is ministry. Each and every one of us is created with a unique set of gifts. There are things that you can do that only you can do. Just as we built a Hannah earlier today, there's only one Hannah. There is only one Hannah. Mel is saying, praise God for that. (laughs) There's only one, she's perfect. But the thing is, you are all perfect. And the mix and the makeup that God has, has formed you to serve him with the, the good works that he's prepared in advance for you, for t- only you can do it. And we find so often uh, in church life that there are spaces waiting to be filled with you. And only you fit. So there's ministry, whether that's prayer ministry, whether that is a serving ministry, whether that is part of the healing ministry, whether it's a teaching ministry, whether, I don't know, there's lots of opportunities we have in a fellowship. And that brings us to the fourth point, which is about fellowship. It's about being together. Let's not stop meeting together, we're reminded in God's word. Gather together, enjoy each other's company, build one another up. And you can only do that when you meet. And this is brilliant. And I love this because here we are on a Sunday. And it's great to welcome people online. It's great having you on YouTube. But I'm going to say, I'm loving seeing people here. Oh my word, it is glorious to have you here because you're doing exactly what the word of God says you're fellowshipping and when we add to that today because we um, gather around tables and we're going to enjoy a meal so those of you have booked in you're staying here and we're going to be fed a feast and uh, we're going to be blessing David and Geraldine and thanking them for just blessing us Fellowship really important last thing is that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved which means that there's evangelism that the deal is that we're not meant to be this number of people We're actually meant to be far bigger than this. You see, if one person shares their faith with one person and they come to Christ in a year, then you've got two people. Then two people go into the second year and at the end of the second year, if two people have shared their faith with two other people, you end up with four. And if you multiply that out, do you realise in 32 years, the complete population of the world would be evangelised? 32 years. By the time it gets to the 32nd year, you've got to have led led 32 people to Christ. But I mean, do one at a time. One at a time. Evangelism. The Lord adds to the number daily those who are being saved. But the key thing about this is that these are um, core values. And in those core values, we have activities. One of those activities is prayer. And this is what Paul picks up on in the uh, letter to the Ephesians. I, I love it because it starts brilliantly, doesn't it? For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I I love it because what happens is in these few verses, um, we're going to answer three questions. We're going to answer the why, the who, and the what. What's that all about? The why, the who, and the what. We're going to start with uh, recognising prayer prayer highlights your priorities do you ever thought about that you see we only pray about what pray about what really matters prayer expresses the desires of our hearts prayer those things that are important to us we will elevate to our prayer closet and ensure that we bring that to God. And you see when Paul starts speaking here in Ephesians chapter 3. He's talking about the people. The key thing for him is that those who are following Christ. Those who are walking on this journey of a fresh revelation of God's amazing love. And they come to uh, the forefront of his mind and he wants to make sure that uh, he brings them before the father this beautiful prayer in the words that i've just read to you um, i think start off by helping us to understand that we're in the same boat uh, as the apostle paul so let's say for instance i'm going to pray about Ben. And I do pray a lot about Ben. So I could sit down and I start to bring before God my son Ben. And as I pray for my son Ben, I know the things that he's going through at this moment in time. And as he's waiting um, for Hampshire Constabulary to sort things out, for him to be on his journey to be going into a detective program and and all that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm praying about his future. I'm praying about opportunities that God is going to give him in the future to live for his glory. I'm praying about his relationship with his fiance. We've got Chloe now comes into our life. So I'm praying about Ben and I'm praying about Chloe. But then you see what happens is within a little while I start to go off on a bit of a tangent. And I can go off on a tangent because I know an awful lot about Ben. And I know times that I've spent with Ben and I've sat at poolside with Ben. I remember, I remember probably the most intense focused prayer time I've ever had with Ben was when he turned 17 and I took him out to drive for the first time. <laughs> One minute past midnight. And there's a road between Becks Hill and Eastbourne called the Marsh Road. And I went along the Marsh Road and I'm recognising I'm sat beside Ben, who's never driven a car before, doing 60 along the marsh road. I tell you what, your prayer life goes through the roof. (laughs) And the thing about it is, there's so many things that I know about Ben and things that I've been part of and shared with Ben. And as I pray, what happens is you can start to wander. Do you ever meander when you're praying? You start on one thing and then you head off somewhere else. Well, let me just tell you, you're in good company because that's exactly what the Apostle Paul does. As he starts in um, Ephesians chapter 3, he starts with this. Look at these words here. He starts off by saying, uh, For this reason I pour the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles. And then, 13 verses later, he says exactly the same. For this reason I kneel before the Father. Well, between verse 1 and verse 14, what's happened is Paul has just gone on a little bit of a tangent. He was starting off, for this reason, I, Paul, and he he could have just gone on, couldn't he? He said, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles, kneel before the Father. That would have fitted in perfectly. But between 1 and 14, he gets a little bit distracted. And it's good to know that we're in good company. As he gets distracted, he, he picks up on the fact that the first two chapters of Ephesians talks uh, all about God's amazing grace. And, and he talks about uh, how fantastic God's grace is. God's grace is so amazing that he would take somebody like me, and he talks about himself as poor me, a sinner like me, and elevates me into a relationship with God, my creator. He starts a journey and before he realises it, he's off on a tangent because he is overwhelmed by God's goodness. He says, in a sense, he says, not only the Jews, the chosen people, but now the Gentiles. That includes us. God's love isn't just for the people, it's for the people, all people. And he's blown away. And what I love about it is that by the time he gets to verse 14 um, of uh, of chapter 3, Paul finds himself so bowled over, he uses a phrase which is a little bit bonkers really. He says, uh, for this reason, because of all of this I know and understand about God's grace, his mercy, his calling of people that shouldn't really be in, to be in, because of all this I kneel before the Father. You don't kneel when you pray that was strange you kneel before the father he was a Pharisee a teacher of the law he would know that you stand in the presence of God yet when something is of such importance so heavy upon your heart you humble yourself you find yourself in a position of being revered fearful of who you're approaching in a a loving way, not a scared way. Jesus on his face in the garden of Gethsemane. What was before him was so enormous. It's his down on your face stuff. And what's so before the Apostle Paul here is down on his face stuff. I kneel before the Father. And I love the fact that he's kneeling before the Father, mainly due to the fact that there's people on his mind. There's people on his mind. Not only is he recognising God's goodness in calling all people into relationship, but he's recognising there are people. People he knows. People who were far off, who are now being called in. It says this in Verse 14, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. You're part of a family. I, I love this. I love this because what Paul is saying here is that um, you're not ostracized, you're not distanced, you're not out on a limb. You're part of God's amazing family. I love, it says here. I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. A little bit of Greek. Here you go. Here's a bit of Greek for you. Father and family. You can't say family without saying father. In the Greek language, you've got patera, is father, and then you've got patria. Is family, the root is exactly the same. And what Paul is saying to us, as we read these words in verse uh, 14 of Ephesians 3, is that your family, all of you, are family because you all have a heavenly father. Who? Why? Who? What? Why? Who? What? That's where we're going to go. Let's see what we can find out. Why? Why am I writing to you? Why am I so stirred up? Why am I so focused on bringing these words? Because I'm overwhelmed by God's goodness and his grace towards you. Uh, Who? Who are we addressing? Well, this is interesting because who we are addressing is our heavenly father. We're addressing our heavenly father. We are fathered. Which... Paul wants you to know means that you're part of his family. And because you're part of his family, you're not an orphan. Some time I've been involved in ministry and prayer for healing and, and for deliverance. And one of the things that has come up so many times is the fact that many people don't know their true identity in Christ that you are, when you come to Christ, adopted into his family, that you are co-heirs with Christ. You are the one who inherits everything from Christ. You're part of God's family. You're no longer ostracized, out on a limb, unknown. You have a heavenly father who knows everything about you and wants you to know that he absolutely is bowled over and in love with you. orphan heart, orphan spirit. It's so prevalent in society today. When I hear about uh, different things that people do, and certainly some of the stories that Carol comes home from college with, as she shares a few things about the students and and the struggles that they have and, and the decisions that they have to make, and sometimes the decisions that they make, which are, in our minds, not good decisions, but so often it's come out of an orphan heart. They don't know who they are. They don't know how valuable they are. And you only find yourself going down these rabbit holes of personal injury when you don't realise how precious you are to God. And Paul is trying to get across to everybody who's, who's reading this, Ephesians and then on to us beyond, is that you're part of the family. he's he's saying "I, I want you to know how amazing God's love is and his grace is towards you but above all of that I want you to also know that you're part of the family and whatever you're dealing with whatever you're struggling with Jesus is the answer and the answer comes in the what What is it you want us to know? What is it you want us to know, Paul? And these are the things that he wants you to know. He wants to know, first of all, that you will be strengthened. You'll be strengthened. The thing about it that we recognize is so often we do things in our own strength, but God says, stop struggling in your own strength and allow me to empower you. Allow me to bring circumstances and situations together. Allow me to take over. Take Your hand off of the helm and allow me to steer your boat. Paul says, all of you who are struggling, I want you to know that you will be strengthened. Whatever you're going through, you will go through it because I am with you and I am strengthening you. And these are the words of Psalm 23. We looked at this on uh, Wednesday evening at our prayer meeting. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to go through whatever you're going through because he's going to strengthen you. His promise is that I am with you. My rod and my staff, these implements of protection will take care of you. So Paul just wants you to know, as you walk in relationship with Jesus, that he will empower you, not only will he empower you, he also talks about the fact that Christ has got to come and take up full residence. You see, the idea here, what Paul is trying to get across here is that when Christ dwells in your heart through faith, it's like he comes in to a house that's needing renovation. So when you start your journey as a believer in Christ, I must just say your house is a mess. Just how it is. I love these renovation shows on the telly, you know, the before and after. Sometimes the after looks worse than the before, but in most situations it's going to be renovated, completely gutted, rebuilt, renewed, and when you look afterwards you go, wow, this is phenomenal. But that's the work, the strengthening work that God does as he comes into our lives. And we invite him to dwell. And when he dwells, he takes up residence. He's not just pitching a tent, a temporary place of accommodation. He is building a house to live in. And as he comes in, room by room, sin gets eradicated lifestyle changes choices that we have are more aligned to his plans and his purposes that's what he does and he says when christ dwells takes up fullness of residence right in the center of your being he's not somebody you visit on a sunday he's somebody who has ownership legal ownership 168 hours a week That's what Paul is saying. He says, you know, you must be aware that he wants to dwell. He wants to stay with you. He doesn't want to be passing through. He wants to ensure that you know how loved you are, that you are a child of the King of Kings. And then these, oh, I love these verses. These verses, as it continues on, it says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, that's the key thing, the rooting and establishing in love may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that love that surpasses all knowledge. I was thinking this week about the fruit of the Spirit. And when I was thinking about the uh, fruit of the Spirit, I was thinking about how this may connect with what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Love is the key, he says. Love is the key. Love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Long-suffering is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. Self-control is love holding the reins. And what Paul wants us to understand, that we should be established and rooted in love. And I love this, doesn't it? I mean, this is just, oh, mind-blowing stuff. He just says, he talks about how high and deep the love of Christ is. How wide and how long the love of Christ is. Do you know that song, So High you can't get over it. Have you ever done that one? Yeah. So low you can't get under it. So wide you can't get around it. Oh, uh, how's it go, you. Wonderful love. Can you sing that back to me? So high, you can't get over it. So low, you can't get under it. So wide, you can't get round it. Oh, wonderful love. Now clap as well. So high, you can't get over it. So low, you can't get under it. So wide, you can't get round it. Oh, wonderful love. And Paul in his prayer to the Ephesians says, get it people, get it people. And know that when you have immersed yourself in Christ's love, you will walk as Christ has called you to walk. I'm not going to say you're going to be perfect. But by goodness me, you'll look more like Jesus every single day. And what I find absolutely phenomenal is this is a call to each and every one of us. Just as it was a call to David and Geraldine 60 years ago when they were making their commitment to each other. Recognize that this prayer is Paul reminding us of the commitment that Christ has made to you and to me. His amazing love. Immerse yourself in it. Let me lead you in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for ourselves this morning. That being strengthened with power, we might know all that Christ has called us to do. We pray, Lord, that as Christ dwells in us, we might make more and more room for him and become more and more like him. Lord, as we get to know Christ's amazing love. As we start to comprehend that which is beyond our comprehension. As we gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And are awesomely amazed by the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of your love. Help us Lord to allow that love to flow out to others. And may we Lord not just be topped up but be totally filled with the fullness of God. That we might know him better, might share him more boldly and might see your kingdom come right here, right now on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.